Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. This morning's reading is from Hebrews chapter 10, reading verses 19 to 25. It can be found on page 1208 in the Church Bibles. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19. A call to persevere in faith. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, David. Good morning, everyone. It's very good to see you. If you can, do keep your Bibles open at that reading from Hebrews chapter 10. I think you'll find it a great help as we go through the next few moments. Um, My name is Pete Scammon. If we haven't met before, I'm the Associate Vicar here at Fullwood Church. Well, with God's word open, let's, let's pray together. Father, over these next few moments, as we look at Hebrews 10 together, I pray that you would help us. I pray you'd help me to preach faithfully. I pray for your spirit to be at work in each of us, that as we look at your word together, that you would be helping us to understand it, to bring about in us the right convictions that would lead us to live a life for you as part of your family. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I suspect most of us know the kinds of things we need to be doing to stay physically healthy. Uh, We know about eating five portions of fruit and veg a day. Uh, We know that we cannot simply go on eating fish and chips and ice cream every day like we did on holiday, or at least that was true in the Scammon household. Uh, We know about the importance of regular exercise and getting good sleep. We know about the dangers of overworking, that we need rest. Many of us now have these new fancy fitness trackers or smart watches that can monitor our step counts and heart rates and the time we spend asleep and even, I'm told, our blood oxygen levels, all very fancy. We can pour over the data, we can assess our progress. But what about our spiritual health? As the summer comes to an end and as we get back into more normal routines of the autumn, now is an excellent time as individuals and as a church family together to pause and take stock 
Are we being wise about our spiritual health? Are we putting into place the kinds of healthy habits that will sustain us spiritually as we journey home to be with the Lord in the new creation? And so today is a one-off. We're dipping into Hebrews 10 because these verses are about healthy spiritual habits. We looked at Hebrews as a church family last year. It's a letter of exhortation written to Christians to help them to keep going. They they had made a good start in the Christian life, but they were in danger of not finishing well. There was opposition from outside the church. That was difficult. But there was also, from within, a spiritual struggle. There was a loss of confidence in Christ, a loss of zeal and excitement about pressing on in the Christian life until they reached the eternal home and ultimate rest. And so in verse 22, there's an appeal to not abandon their faith in the great work of Christ. He has indeed made access to God possible. In verse 23, there's an appeal not to abandon their hope in the great promises of Christ. He will return. We looked at these great truths last year, but this morning, I want to focus on just two verses, beginning at verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The big theme of today is that we need each other. The way God has designed us means that we don't do well on our own. We're not designed to be human islands cut off from each other. I wonder if you've ever had that experience of enjoying a large meal, perhaps a Sunday lunch or a Christmas lunch, and having feasted at the dining room table, you then head to the sofa and you grab a comfortable seat and Over the next few moments, having had a full tummy, you just start to feel a bit drowsy. The eyelids become a bit heavy and the yawns start to build up from within. You can't stop them and you just want to lie down and have a little nap. I'm getting tired thinking about it. (laughs) Stay with me. (laughs) Well, that's the danger here for the Hebrew Christians. A drowsiness, a lethargy in the Christian life. And I think that we're still trying to understand what the pandemic has done to us as individuals and as communities, and certainly here as a church community. It has been such a difficult season. One of the themes I keep hearing from the church family here, but also from Christian friends around the country as well, this sense of tiredness, of a more limited capacity, a kind of spiritual lethargy that we didn't have before the pandemic. The thought of packing our diaries full of, as the writer says, love and good deeds just feels a bit more overwhelming to us than it did a couple of years ago. And I think for Christians, it can be disorientating to discover that we don't have what we used to have in terms of that zeal, that energy. Uh, Perhaps before the pandemic, we would have have happily had people around for lunch 
or organized a walk or stayed for a bit longer to have tea and coffee at the end of the Sunday meetings. Or we would have stepped up to serve on a new road to happily. But now the thought of doing those things just leaves us feeling overwhelmed. And so maybe this morning we're wondering, what's wrong with me? What's happened to me? Well, if that's how we feel this morning, let me encourage you. The Bible understands weary Christians. God knows that living in this fallen world will often leave us tired, discouraged, wanting, if you like, to stay on the sofa, often struggling with zeal and energy to give ourselves to love and good deeds. But God also knows the kind of things that will rebuild us, that will re-energize us and help us to press on again in our Christian life. And if we don't feel that way this morning, if we are abounding in energy and zeal as Christians, then perhaps this morning will help us to know how we can encourage others around us who are perhaps feeling more exhausted. I think perhaps in reality most of us are somewhere between absolute exhaustion and complete zeal. And wherever we are on the spectrum, I hope this morning these words will help us to know how to move forward well together as a church family. And so I've got two points this morning. The first is this. We need to keep meeting together. We need to keep meeting together. Verse 24 again. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habits of doing. It seems clear that some of the Hebrew Christians had decided to stop meeting together with other Christians, and perhaps for lots of different reasons. One reason seems to be pressure from a hostile world around them. If you have your Bibles open at Hebrews 10, just glance forward across the page to verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 10, and we read this. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. It was tough being a Christian back then for these Hebrew Christians. It's clear it meant persecution. It was costly to be associated with with other Christians in the day because of the, the hostile culture. And I think increasingly today we are beginning to experience something of what those early Christians would have experienced. Not as much perhaps yet but there are growing trends. I remember being back at school and not wanting to go to the lunchtime Christian Union event because I didn't want to be associated with the Christians who would gather for that half an hour over lunch. It was just too brutal at school to be known as belonging to them as well. And today, the Bible's teaching is increasingly being seen not only as out of date, but also as immoral by our culture. And to go to a church where the Bible is taught and where Christians take a stand will increasingly expose us to conflict. It would be easier in some ways not to be associated with a church just to keep our heads down, to be a private Christian. Perhaps some here today or maybe others watching online are just beginning to 
to wobble in our confidence that we do want to remain publicly, clearly attached to a local church because of the heat we are receiving from the culture around us. Another reason why some Hebrew Christians had stopped meeting together seems to be, well, just laziness. I say this because back in chapter 6, verse 12, the writer warns them about the danger of laziness. And there can be a vicious circle here, can't there? Think about physical exercise. Um, Last Christmas, I remember catching up with a good friend, and I asked how his day was going, and he said that it was going great, thank you, that he'd just been for a 10K run that morning, and that a few days before, he'd been for a similar run, and if all went well, he'd go for another run tomorrow. And um, I didn't let on that I'd spent the whole week sat on the sofa eating chocolates and Christmas dinner leftovers, and that my once baggy jumper was starting to feel a bit less baggy. And the more my friend talked about their exercise regime, the more exhausted I felt. And isn't that what it's like with exercise? The more you do, the more energy you have to do more. Or at least that's what I'm told. (laughs) And isn't it true spiritually? When we stop meeting with other Christians absolutely does have an impact on us. It's not a neutral decision. We'll think about more why in just a moment. But the more we don't go, the more we don't want to go. And so, of course, one of the challenges we face after the pandemic and as we think about our meetings together is how to get back into good habits of meeting together if we've just lost them. And it does take time. It will take energy if we have just drifted away from those good habits. Look, our own situation may be different from the Hebrew Christians. Perhaps it's not fear of persecution. Perhaps it's not laziness. But it could be something else. It could be busyness, hobbies, sports, other priorities. But it is a question we all have to engage with. How are we doing when it comes to meeting with other Christians? And these moments when we gather on a Sunday, they should be, they are the most important moments of the week for us. They are crucial to our spiritual health. Not just coming once a month or twice a month, but making them the kind of first thing in our diary. We've, we've, we've spoken before about how we've wrestled with whether to continue the, uh, the live stream for our morning gatherings. I've spoken to a number of our mission partners who've been able to watch us from afar, and they've said it's been such a lifeline to them in their own context. I've spoken to others of you who, for genuine reasons, are, are housebound because of uh, your health conditions, and again, it's been a lifeline, and there are good reasons to continue the live stream. But I also know that there are some less good reasons to rely on the live stream rather than a meeting in person. And um, if you do end up watching this at home this morning or later on this week, I do hope you know it's a poor substitute to watch online. It is impacting our spiritual health. And if there are things that are holding you back from coming, we'd love to chat to you about those things. If we can change how we do things here this morning to make it easier, 
do let us know. But in the context of eternity and the day approaching when Christ returns, it is of great importance that we keep meeting together. That's our first point this morning. But why is it so important to keep meeting together? Well, here's our second. We need to keep encouraging each other. We've been enjoying lots of barbecues over the long, hot uh, summer we've had. And uh, I've had uh, a chance to be reminded again and again of how barbecues work. When you have a, a pile of charcoal mounded up together, those barbecue coals together keep their heat for much longer. Together they glow and give off more heat. But take a coal away from the central pile and put it to one side, and that individual piece of charcoal will cool down and lose its red-hot temperature very quickly. And what's true of charcoal is also true of Christians. On our own, we will cool down spiritually, and it can happen remarkably quickly. We are designed by God to need each other. And verse 25 tells us what is to happen when we meet. We are to be encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's always nice to be encouraged. If we cooked a good meal, or passed our exams, or got through a difficult week and someone says, well done, that, that helps. But that's not the kind of encouragement being talked about here. Now, in the context of Hebrews 10, the kind of encouragement is gospel encouragement. It's clear from the context, so glance back to verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 10. The writer says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Let us. This is plural, not singular. If we're trusting in the Lord Jesus, and if we together have put our faith in him, then together we share this glorious access to God the Father through Jesus. Together we share the cleansing work of the cross. We'll share a meal in just a moment that reminds us of how together we share these gospel joys. The thing is, I know when I sin, my tendency is to want to pull back. I want to pull back from other Christians, but more importantly, I want to pull back from God. Um, think of Adam and Eve back in Genesis 3 when the first sin was committed, how they pulled back from God then. Have you ever felt this? Perhaps over the summer, we have really let things slip in our lives. Perhaps there is a an area of sin, a, a habit that we have got back into, which is controlling us again. Maybe our conscience is heavy with guilt. Maybe even this morning as we gather, we wonder if we should even be here, if we're allowed to gather with God's people because of what we have done and are doing. We, we know what verse 22 says. We understand the gospel and yet we still feel filthy before the Lord, unable to draw near. And if we feel that way, and I think every Christian will at times, we aren't meant to cope on our own in those moments. 
Uh, the Christian author Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book Life Together, puts it like this. He writes, The Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to them. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. He needs his brother man as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. And so can I say, if we do feel overwhelmed by our sin, like we don't belong here this morning, can I encourage you? Can I remind you as one sinner to a fellow sinner that in Christ we have perfect access to God the Father through his once and for all death on the cross, not because of what we do, but because of what he did. Let us draw near with the assurance the gospel brings. We need each other to encourage each other about our access to God. But also look at verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who is, has promised is faithful. The book of Hebrews is clear that as Christians, we are on our journey home to the place of ultimate rest, our heavenly city. And tomorrow, as the nation stops to mark the queen's funeral, what a great joy to be reminded about our journey home, that because of gospel promises, there is life beyond death. There's a heavenly city for us to look forward to. Jesus will come back, and when he does, it'll be a day of salvation for those who trust in him, but also a day of judgment for those who don't. By faith, we have access to God now, but one day when Christ appears, faith will give way to sight. This is the hope we profess, a certain hope built on the cast iron promises of the Lord Jesus and on a faithful God who always keeps his promises. But the thing is, for, for the Christians that reading Hebrews and for us today, we have to hope. Because none of us can see our heavenly city. We're not there yet. And even though we can be certain about the future, we don't see it. And that's why we hope now as we look forward to then. And it's hard. Imagine a friend who... Um, tells you they've just bought a home, a new house. They are thrilled to bits with it. They say to you, it's our forever home. And then you imagine over the next few weeks, just noticing that because there's so much to do on the forever home that your friends just are a bit less frequent coming to church on a Sunday. They start to miss small group when they never would have missed small group before because, well, there's so many DIY DIY jobs to be done in the new house that they're just always busy when they have free time. They're rushing off looking after the house. Your friend needs encouraging. They need to be reminded that the house they've just bought is not their forever home. Absolutely not. Their forever home is with the Lord Jesus, about to be revealed on the day he returns. And left on our own, 
we so easily begin to think that the stuff of this life, the things that we can see and touch, are the ultimate realities. Maybe it's not a house. Maybe it's a hobby or holidays. There are all kinds of things that feel so much more real and tangible and significant than a distant promise about a future event. I absolutely feel this uh, tug on my own heart. Even this week, I've been back looking at campervan walkthroughs on YouTube. (laughs) I need people around me to keep reminding me that there is a day coming. And that day is by far a greater day than any day we can experience in this life. And so alongside our Sunday gatherings, also as Matt mentioned, our midweek small groups, such a brilliant way to, in a much smaller setting, encourage each other to share life, to be real about the things that we're struggling to to hold properly in our hearts, to just notice if someone is getting over-preoccupied with the things of this life and just to gently, kindly encourage them. We need to keep encouraging each other. And it's hard to do that when we don't meet together. That's the heart of Hebrews 10. Uh, Just two practical thoughts as we finish. The first, I think it can be easy to be overwhelmed at how many people need to be encouraged. Look around the room this size, you think, well, where do we start? Particularly if we ourselves feel like we have limited emotional capacity. Well, Let's be kind to ourselves. Perhaps let's focus on the people in our small group and think, let me focus on them particularly. Or even if that feels too overwhelming, why not think of one person? If this term we all sought to encourage one other person, that's a lot of encouragement going around the church family. The second is about how we encourage. And I think it is easy to, I don't know, to beat people up when they're struggling, but when we realize ourselves that we are fellow strugglers, that we also need the encouragement of others, that we will get our priorities and our hearts wrong as well, then I think that kind of mutual understanding of how we all need each other will just help us to get the tone right, to encourage people with a gentleness and a patience and a kindness that will be good for them as we encourage them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel, for our access to you now through Christ, and that day approaching when our faith turns to sight. And Father, I thank you for this church family. I pray this time and beyond, you'd help us to spur each other on, to encourage each other with gospel truths that we might not be a church that grows faint of heart and struggles to keep going until Christ returns. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.